How many people are on a football field during a game of football? Do you guys know? Um, 32. Is that correct? No, no, no. So, 22. No, neither of you know. 22. 22. 22 people. So the fact that there are 22 people on the football field during a game of football might be one of the three facts that I learned from the high score documentary on Netflix. You they did it. Great job. Talk about Madden. So it's, it, it is the shallowest, just, it's such a silly documentary. It's, it's narrated by Charles Martinet and he sounds like the narrator from um, so Arrested he Development. He doesn't sound like <laughs> uh, Mario. No, it, that would be better if he sounded like Mario. If he yeah. was like, it's me, let's go to John Romero's house. Uh, <laughs> but it, no, it's it's kind of a frustrating documentary um, because like Netflix docu-series, it's a docu-series, it's six episodes, have like a very similar style lately. They're very overproduced and they're very shallow and they're the kind of thing that Netflix wants you to watch and then forget about immediately. Mm. So Sounds great. I'm gonna watch it now. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, you should watch it. I, I don't really recommend it. Unfortunately, I think that it had some interesting stuff, but like, it was shocking to me how little I learned from that. And I guess that means that I just have spent a ridiculous amount of time learning about video games. But I've also I also lived through like everything almost that happened in that. Would you recommend watching it over just going to YouTube? No. I, so I think. YouTube documentaries are much more in-depth and much deeper. You get a much mean, more like... Sorry, do you mean just what? going to YouTube like in general? Just, just like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I should have clarified. <laughs> are you just... Shouldn't I just go to YouTube and just be like, I want to watch a Doom documentary today. So just type in Doom documentary and just watch something that some YouTuber has already put together as opposed to just watching right. high score. That's what I meant. So yeah, like Retro Ahoy made really excellent documentaries on Wolfenstein, Doom, and Quake, and Half-Life um, that are like an hour long and that go really, really in-depth. This stuff doesn't go in-depth. I mean, it's it's very obsessed with like trying to tie esports into the history of video games. So almost every episode follows a competitive uh, gamer. So it's it starts with like a Galga player who who becomes a very influential game developer, I guess, later on, but they don't even discuss that in the documentary. I had to find that from Google. Mm -hmm. Um, And every episode like follows like a competitive gamer and it's kind of like through shot through the lens of interviews. So they interview a bunch of different people, but like the key takeaways are this person worked for this company and made them a lot of money. This person was went to a competition and won first place. And it's like a half an hour to tell each of these stories. And I feel like there's so many of the stories are not that important or that interesting. Um, and it's just, it's just filler. And then they have all of these like animated sequences that look like the, uh, the cut scenes in the original Ninja Gaiden game. Like they're like ripping off that kind of anime mm. retro bit style. Uh, and it's just, it's just kind of bad. Like I hate to, to say that, but like, it, it's just so shallow and cursory in its, in its examination. It doesn't tell me anything. If I were to watch that and not play video games, I wouldn't know why people play video games necessarily. Or wouldn't, it wouldn't intrigue me to play them or really answer any interesting questions about it other than who were a few people in the history of video games that did some things. So, so it kind of sounds like the sort of documentary that doesn't have a target audience in mind because they're making this documentary for gamers, but it doesn't really appeal to gamers. But 
if it's being made for non-gamers, it it doesn't seem appealing in itself to really appeal to non-gamers. So it seems like it's in this weird middle ground where it's, is that kind of what the audience is, where it just doesn't know what it's made for? I assume the audience is just everybody. Yeah. Like, like I... I I think it's it's intended to be made for more or less everybody, but because of that, it's it's so lacking in specificity on every level that that yeah, I don't think anybody's gonna take an incredible amount of value out of it. I will say, I watched it with my girlfriend who knows very little about the history of video games, and so she seemed to be she she took a lot more from it for me. So maybe if you maybe it would be something for a non gamer to watch, but I just feel like it just fails to to like ask or answer so many interesting questions that. That it was more of a bummer than anything else for me. Oh, so what we really should do is just go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, watch uh, <laughs> the recommended H three H three videos. Our subscription. Just watch uh, some Race of Vic or <laughs> you know uh, somebody like that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, yeah or, or Retro Ahoy does really good documentaries. That, that I mean, that was like my immediate counterpoint. Is like Retro Ahoy covers some of the same stuff that's in this documentary, but just does it so much better. Um, yeah. And so much more in depth, and ants asks and answers much more interesting questions. So, so yeah, uh, high score on Netflix. Uh, I don't recommend it. I give it a thumbs down. Not terrible, but not not great. Bummer, Kevin. I understand that you uh, you have completed Death Stranding, and you had some thoughts about how this game sort of ties into the broader work of of uh, open world games. So I've now clocked at like 110 hours of. Death Stranding. I played it a lot more now. Oh my gosh, dude! I did. I didn't even know it was that long. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> well, the thing is, is uh, when you beat the game, it puts you in this mode where you can just do the the open world gameplay, but you have all of the tools that you've accumulated over the game. So it's really the best time to play the game, to play play it is that time. Um, <clears throat> and kind of what I'm saying here is what I've said before, but I just think more thought out. Maybe it's. Um, I had to do this. Uh, Basically, like you can do deliveries from all the different outposts to different to other outposts, and it's kind of like at a surface level, you look at that and it's like, well, that's not that interesting. Like I just go this way instead of going that way, but like going this way instead of going that way is like completely different experience in that game than it would be in something else, just because of how the world is designed and how the gameplay is in interacting with the world. And it also made me think of like how like. Basically, what this way that I had to go is I had to climb a mountain from a direction I had never done it before. And it was like a serious traversal. Like, it was like one of the hardest things I've done in the game. Was because I had never been this way before. Because that game has the, the Breath of the Wild DLC where it tracks where you've been. And I oh, had never really? gone this way. And climbing the mountain was like, it took me like 30 minutes to, to get over the mountain. <laughs> I was like, and it was really steep and I kept falling over and like like losing my gear and I had to like climb, like go back down and get it and like get better equipment to climb it. Um, and it was a really cool moment and it made me realize like, I guess, I don't know. It made me see like how open world games are in other games and why I think this game is different. Cause like, it really is like the world, it really is your biggest opponent in the game. Like it's like, that's like, I mean, it has enemies that you fight and other stuff, but like it, like the world really is like you're, you get to know it so well. Like, you know how you know enemy patterns in games and you know, you know what they do and the blah, 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 blah. This game, it's that same way, but it's just which direction you're going and what gear you're using. And I just feel like I've never really thought about that in an open-world game before, because usually, if I think of an open-world game of this generation, it's like the world is a place, a space for combat, 
a place for you know exploring exploring and seeing things or a place for resource gathering um and in this game it's it's it can be all of those things but i also think that it really is something more because of how the game's designed and how you move and interact with that world and i don't know i feel like that was something that i took me a long time to really like nail down and realize like i thought about it before but like i didn't really i don't know i didn't really i guess have it completely understood what do you guys think about that Does that yeah i mean too uh, yeah, I'll jump in and just say that it seems like the kind of game... Here's the thing. When I play open world games, it seems... I, I tend to have all of these tasks just kind of presented with me, and I get this ADD where I'm doing this one thing over here, I'm collecting this resource, and then I'm capturing this outpost, and then I'm doing this side quest, and then I'm just trying to check checklist this whole... I'm, I'm doing all of the, this whole checklist of activities to do, but... Death Stranding has just this relentless focus on one thing, right? Where you're just kind of taking packages mm -hmm. from A to B. And I think that traversal and that focus on a very clear activity is what separates it from other open world games. Because uh, that that's part of the reason why, and we're going to talk about this game later, Horizon Zero Dawn, is that's a game where with over the course of 25 minutes, 30 minutes, I'll do... Eight, eight different tasks and repeat those things over. But I, I what you're saying, Kevin, resonates with me because it just kind of sounds like uh, when I was playing that game, even though I didn't connect to it as strongly as you, it is sort of the kind of game where um, you're just focused on this one activity. And it does matter because when you're doing that one traversal activity, uh, it, it gives the game a different sense of focus that I feel like other open world games don't really have. Is that making sense? Or yeah, um, it's basically it's something I, I've never s totally. It's something that I haven't seen before in a game. Like I've never played an open world game that made me feel connected to the world in the same way. Like I really feel like when it, when you do a like when you do a delivery that you've done before, it's like oh I know this path. Like, you could go a different way, or you go the same way. But like I've never thought about it in a game really like specifically what I'm doing with the world at any given moment. Like maybe if I'm collecting something or if I'm like trying to take cover from fighting an enemy, but usually it's not like as in depth as it is in this game. And I think that's something that's really cool. And I also like wanted to like bridge that into again no pun intended with the bridges thing, with uh, <laughs> the fact that the main character is not his sole goal in the game isn't that he's a violent person like he's like he's not a guy who's out there to like kill the the final boss right right and like when i was first playing the game i was like having this weird struggle like grappling with identifying with the character mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i think it's because like he's not he's like a po he's like a post office guy like i saw someone or a postal worker i saw someone say like they had this cutscene of like him fighting one of the characters in the game and it was like Villain, villain attacks FedEx employee. I just thought that was such a funny like tagline because <laughs> the memes it, in of a way that it game is. are so good. So many good memes. And, um, I, I, but I realized like I personally am so like I'm like like trying to compare him in my brain to other characters when I was playing it. And I'm like, who, what is this guy good at? He's good at delivering things and carrying stuff. Like he's not a good fighter. Like what's what's the what, why do I even care about this guy? And I realized like I feel like for me. I'm so, like, associated with characters in video games who are, like, good at being violent and get good at, like, mm -hmm. killing people and, like, doing this stuff. And, I, like, I feel like I haven't thought about a character in the way, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, that I, that Sam is, like, in that nonviolent way. And I, I feel like Kojima's onto something here. I think he, like, he, he's, he's doing something really different with this game that I, I have a feeling could potentially stand the test of time. Like, we could see that this is something 
in like 20 years that people be like, hey, this game was doing this before other games were doing this. Um, yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, what AAA game is it has its central idea is a nonviolent protagonist that's almost yeah, like non-existent in tri- non-existent the AAA space. So, but it, it's well, okay. Are are you saying that like the thing that makes this this game interesting is that the challenge of the game is overcoming the environment as opposed to overcoming foes in physical armed conflict? That's yeah. That's one thing I'm saying. But I'm also saying right. the protagonist itself and like who he is and like why mm-hmm. I connect with him is a different, I think than I've seen in other big triple a games. Yeah. But well, what about like Edith Finch or something? I mean, certainly you've seen other games where you connect to characters who aren't, who are nonviolent. Right. Sure. Right. But I'm saying in a triple a respect and in, sure, in a sure. game, that's like a big Epic, a game that I'm playing as a character for a long time. Like Edith Finch, that's, that's a great true. game, but it's a six hour, four mm-hmm. hour game. You know, it's, you can open it right. quickly. You don't really, you may reflect on like this, this, this story and stuff, but like, Mm-hmm. When you're playing a game like this, a big open world game, and you're you're seeing Sam do all these things, like you really feel like you get to know the character more so, in yeah. my opinion, than than something like Edith Finch. I'm not saying that like, there's no nonviolent protagonist because that's not what I'm trying to gotcha, make. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, no, but that, that's a that's a good point. It's just cool to see a character who's doing something that's like not just violent, and he's doing something that like I hadn't thought a character could be like a, like a postal delivery guy would be a cool character. Like I wouldn't have thought that that would be a compelling character and something. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just wouldn't think like mm-hmm. in a video game that I would like that kind of character. But like, I think he's a real, I really like the character a lot. I, I really connect with them. And I, I feel like I, I'm like looking at stuff in a different way that I haven't, which this game I feel like is doing. And I, I just, hmm. it's funny too. when I think of like how it's received from people, like they right. hate it. Some people really yeah. hate it. And some people like really loved it. And some people were just kind of like, whatever. But like, I wonder like if, if, if the, the nonviolence thing is some, is some of that hate or not. Like well, people have a certain expectation I, I, with these kind of games. Yeah. I think with games in general, I mean, I think it's it's the same thing that we've had conversations about with like games like The Last of Us, like doing these sort of like walking simmy kind of things. Uh, I, people do expect, you know, a game to give you put a Glock in your hand and let you point at people's heads. So when you're not doing that and you're doing gameplay, that's not that like that. It is kind of a challenge to people's patience, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's kind of wild, too, because one of the most artistic and peaceful games ever made shadow of the colossus that's still a game about violence right violence. you're killing mm, yeah. you're killing colossi so it, it is kind of wild that that the you have this game death stranding and that game even has a less emphasis on violence than shadow of the colossus which is notoriously nonviolent by comparison mm-hmm. so uh, yeah in death it, stranding i haven't killed one person I haven't killed any. You can kill people in that game, but I have not killed mm-hmm. no boss, no one. I've killed zero people That's in cool. that game. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't kill anybody in my playthrough of Gone Home, so. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but Kevin's making a point too, and just in terms of the lar- larger AAA experience, right? right? You know, it, it's more like it, it, like when I play like The Outer Wilds or Gone Home or yeah. Edith Finch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I'm kind of expecting not to see too much violence because it's an indie game, which isn't true of all indie games, but I'm, I have a different set of expectations. It's just crazy to, to play this giant AAA experience with this mega budget. And there is no real emphasis on violence. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> and like I said, he played it for a hundred hours. So like, I can't think of any game that you would play for a hundred hours where you're not killing anybody. Like I, I'm trying to set my, my girlfriend up to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey so she can just kind of, do some traveling while we're stuck in COVID 
And like, she can't really play that game non-violently, which is kind of a bummer because they're, well, I guess actually you could do the tourist mode, huh? Okay. I take it back, yeah, but, you do that. but you could, you're probably not going to do that for a hundred hours. Right. Um, that game is all about in, in, in the thematically and even in the narrative, it's all about like, like what, what it means to die and, and death and mm-hmm. you know, like how, how we deal with that and res- that resonates and like. That's that's a big like I mean Death Stranding is the title of the game so like it's right. it's it's very it seems like it's very much an anti-violent game and it, it may I'm not even sure if it's trying to say something about video games in general in that regard I'm not I don't know you can interpret it that way maybe but right it's definitely I don't know it's it's saying some cool things I think you guys should play it more that's what I'm trying to say play it I I definitely want to check it out so after I get through some of these things I have on my plate right now I'm gonna try to just force myself to there's a lot of really cool things i think that he's saying like that are very profound about like the world too that i i would Mm -hmm. like to explore but not i don't want to spoil them so um that's cool yeah it's i'm glad that you really connected strongly with that game that's i'm i look forward to dipping more into it and getting to learn about it in 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 other open world news i heard you had a little uh port report for uh horizon zero dawn (laughs) for us oh yeah uh so i have played it for maybe six or seven hours now um it did seem like it was a game that i would enjoy it's very much assassin's creed style but with a different mm-hmm. combat system um yeah. or, or the witcher i guess a friend of mine calls it disney witcher which it cracks me up every time i play that game i like yeah. can't not think that now and it's just witcher. i'm just like this is the most like perfect uh, succinct description of this game um <clears throat> but yeah it's it's the port on the pc is really bad it's uh it runs poorly i have a generally high-end computer and it does not run well um the worst part is the uh it has very bad stuttering the frames don't come out in an even rate so even mm-hmm. if you're getting a high frame rate it still looks bad and i noticed for playing it, it for about bad. two hours my eyes were hurting so i had to stop hmm. which is unfortunate because i it would be it's a game that interests me and i'd like to play it so i'm hoping that they'll fix it it's unfortunate that they they, they contracted a company called virtuous did the port mm-hmm. and they i guess oh, they didn't it. do it themselves no, they're probably making Who, the PS5 game, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's true. Who did Death Stranding? Because Death Stranding is the same I, engine, and it's like I, a brilliant port. I believe it's Kojima's team did it. Okay, that's the difference, yeah. I guess. Which is why it's so... <laughs> I mean, that port's amazing for Death Stranding. Yeah. It's funny because they're on the same engine, and right. they you know, have very comparable technology, obviously, but they're fundamentally not the same in that regard. Dang. That sucks. That sucks. I was playing a little bit of that game on PlayStation 4, and... Uh, I got, well, I didn't get through the tutorial, but I think I got to the, like sort of the climax of the tutorial uh, uh, part. And I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to play this game right now. It seems cool, but it was like, it felt Assassin's Creed Odyssey light to me. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there and say that I don't like Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm just gonna, you hate it, right? Yeah, I just, I just straight <laughs> up just don't like it. I'm just... I'm just playing that game and I just see all of, I just see the open world checklist and Alloy the that's her name right she had the protagonist mm-hmm. she has this weird uncanny valley robot face that I just can't get over as I'm yeah. playing the game yeah. and definitely I just there's just and too much HUD too much HUD just get rid of all the goddamn HUD no more HUD You can turn it off I think but it is horrible I totally agree it, it, it was absolutely dominating the screen on mm-hmm. my tv and i was like oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it's uh, i mean it's a great g- i think i would have loved it if i played it in 2014 
That's my mm. opinion of that game. But playing it, I played it in 2018. No, 19. 2019, and yeah, I wasn't not feeling that game. Um, I'm kind of interested in the sequel, but kind of not. I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather Looks just pretty. get another kill zone. Just give me kill zone. I want to kill Hellgas. <laughs> yeah, I want I kill zone two again. Yeah, I just want uh, kill zone two's multiplayer again. <laughs> oh yeah, kill zone two multiplayer was fun. Uh, so Oren, you beat the Talos principle. You want to talk about that? Yes, I would. Um, so Talos principle, old game. Have you guys heard of it, or have you guys yeah, played it's it? By Crow team. It's not that yeah. old, is it? Yeah, when did like it come out? Like 2015. Oh, okay, okay. It's been it's it it's been a moment since it's come out, but hmm. yeah, it's made by the Serious Sam guys. They just yeah. I think mm-hmm. they just got tired of shooting stuff, and they're like, we're just gonna get really philosophical and make this existential puzzler that has nothing to do with our pedigree, and it's great. It's amazing. I can't believe I've never played this game before because it is. Uh, the 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 puzzles in a, in themselves are portal level. They're like the kind of puzzles where you're working at them for a long time, and you get frustrated, and then you just kind of see the solution, and you get this amazing high when you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the actual story is re- really interesting. Um, you're basically this robot, this AI, who's in this sort of simulation, and you're trying to figure out what's going on and what what's happening and there are these computer terminals everywhere that give you hints as to what the world is and the game's idea the central idea of the game is the talos principle basically talos is based on this creation of hephaestus in greek mythology this giant mechanical humanoid and part of it's just this idea of if an ai can achieve full consciousness then wouldn't that mean that humans are just machines as well? We're just made of organic material. So it's de- mm. it's dealing with these really heavy philosophical themes that somehow they that the Crow team somehow integrates into the, the actual storytelling and the gameplay and the mystery. And mm. it, it's just a ride. I'm I'm playing it on I'm playing the DLC right now. I'm I'm a little bit burnt out on it because the game is very long and long puzzle games after you hit the 20 hour mark can be a little exhausting as much as I love puzzle games, but it's good. I mean, it's an oldie, but well, not like an oldie, but it's, it's a goodie. Right. It's good. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy that I went and played it cause I was, I, I just kind of figure I've become so contemporary. Unfortunately, I'm the, I've turned into the kind of gamer who will just not play stuff before 2018, and that's really? terrible. Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a bad, defend yourself. I think that's a that's a bad position to be in. I know I, this podcast. I think is inspiring me to go back and play older games. I mean, I played Doom, and yeah, uh, I really need to change that. I need to play older games again. I've got I've fallen for the FOMO. You know, just like, mm. oh, I just got to play the newest thing. And there's really right. no reason for that. I'm starting to get over it as I get older. But mm. yeah, FOMO. It's, it's marketing, good. man. Like marketing works. Uh, I think that it's 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 very easy to get sucked into these zeitgeist and the hype that the marketing machine around video games like pulls you into. Because everything in games media is like servicing as as marketing, essentially, for, for the games industry. So like you have this idea, you got to play this thing now. You have to be part of the moment and play the thing. 
And the way I, I look at it, maybe it's just because I'm an old man who's seen a lot of video games, is just like games that are good are still going to be good in a few years. I mean, like they might lose some aspects. Like, like I said, when I played Doom when I was 11 or whatever, like that game was photorealistic looking and shockingly horrific. Now it's neither, but it's still fun. Um, and, and I think, I don't know, like especially the, given how little graphics have changed in the last five years and how little like gameplay has really evolved in the last five years, I think like much, much slower at a pace than like, if you compare a game from like 1992 and 1997, you're going to get radically different games. Whereas you compare a game from 2012 and 2017, not that different. Yeah. I I guess hmm, it's weird because you know what tends to happen? This actually happened earlier this year where I can't remember which game it was. I think it might have been Animal Crossing, actually. I was playing... I, I I remember I got Doom Eternal, and then everyone was playing Animal Crossing, and I think there was actually a moment where I went to Amazon to buy a Switch Lite and Animal Crossing, and then I thought to myself, I don't like Animal Crossing. Why am I doing this? Why, <laughs> why, why am right. I purchasing this? Yeah. Why am I falling for the FOMO? So I yeah. think that was kind of my moment of reckoning or, mo- or a moment of awakening where I was kind of having this new self-awareness of why am I bu- just buying stuff because everybody I know is playing it or because all of these YouTube videos are being spammed at me on my feed saying Animal Crossing is the game of the year. You know, it's just... Yeah. 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 Which, Definitely does anybody true. think that now? Uh, Animal Crossing is game of the year? I don't think so. <laughs> no. It's, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we live in do. a world with pervasive uh, like advertisements everywhere and everybody is participating in marketing you know on social media and just by endorsing things i mean we're in, we're participating in marketing by talking about recent games now we're going to do a whole spoiler cast on a somewhat recent game uh it it's it's tricky to like remove yourself from it. and i think it's probably impossible to totally remove yourself from it uh, you're making me you can get, a little you're getting me existential now because now i'm thinking like oh, i'm doing this podcast but i'm just part of the problem i'm just part of the problem well that's that's why we're playing older games we don't have to be part of the problem <laughs> we, we can we can we can choose our own i think destiny. you can have a balance uh, of enjoying just the medium and not yeah. necessarily have to be i mean you're going to be impacted by it but Right. right. Yeah. I'm not too concerned. I, I'm being, a, I'm it, being a little facetious. I'm being a little facetious. But yeah. Still. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I mean, if you're having fun, like personally, like I only care if I'm enjoying myself. Like it doesn't. I, I don't even care if I'm in the zeitgeist or not. Like I just right. care if I'm personally having an enjoyable experience. Nice. So. No. I. Yeah. Uh, I also think that like there's you know there's never been a better time as people keep saying to be a gamer because you can you have access to almost everything that's ever came out. There's so many games to play, which which can be, you know, a daunting thought if if you look at it the wrong way. But if you look at it the right way, you can kind of do your own little you know history one on one of uh, video games. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of old games, man, I'm playing a game. Do you guys remember 2019? I don't. I don't. I don't even remember what that game. <laughs> that, that, that year it does was seem like. like a while ago. It seems actually. like literally 20 decades ago. Uh, I think that's when my great grandparents got married. But um. I'm playing a game from from 2019 called Control. Hey. And uh, nice. I'm not going to talk too much about it because Kevin wants to play it and he doesn't want me to spoil it too I much. I played it for waiting. 10 minutes, so I have a couple of impressions. That's it. But you, you talk. Okay. Well, so I like it a lot. I think that it, it's, it's cool to see Remedy as a company that's always been very confident stylistically, like going all the way back to Max Payne, continue that confidence. Like this is such a mm-hmm. visually 
confident game in its style and its presentation. Um, and it's, it's just right off the bat. It starts you off in a really good way and it just keeps going. I'm probably about halfway through the game. I think that the combat visually really reminds me of like fear, which is like the highest praise I could give a game. It's not quite that tactical, but it has that same level of just like chaos and sort of just frenetic shit flying everywhere. Um, and it's such an incredibly good looking game. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm playing next gen games right now. Like seriously, like I'm looking at this game and then like I take screenshots of it and I like set it to my lock screen on windows. Cause I'm just like, and every time I see it, I'm just like, God, that is kind of astounding how beautiful this game is. Can we take a moment to just like praise how interactive the environments are in that game? Like when I first went yeah. to the director's office, I spent like 20 minutes shooting the books off of his wall. <laughs> like you can completely destroy every single bit of the shelf in a realistic way and the books will move realistically. Yeah. Like yeah. it reminds me of a game from like 2007 or something. It's like back when everything was really technologically like the big tech demo and all that stuff. Like that's really gone yeah. kind of for the wayside for these more narrative heavy experiences. But like this game is really going back into that. And I, I'm like, I'm like, I love it. Like this physics kind of sandboxy stuff. I mean, not really sandbox, but these physics environments are just so fun. It reminds me of a game that I used to play on Xbox by Midway called uh, PsyOps, a mind gate conspiracy. Oh, like no one's, have you played that game? Mm. No one's played that <laughs> game. Yeah, I, pl- I played, played it. it. I, I remember it was kind of funny because I remember I, I must have. When did that come out? Like 2003 or something? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I, w- I was like 13 or 14 at the so- time, and I think that was the only game that came out that summer that I was vaguely interested in. So I just played mm-hmm. it and replayed it for like two months and I loved it. It was the only game that like felt as interactive as Half-Life 2 when I was playing it. Like you could pick mm. up the enemies and throw them into stuff and like you could take control of them and all the crazy physics and telekinesis. It was just really like, well, I had a lot of fun in that game. I put it a lot on the, on the console. You know why it is that, that, that they have not had, they've had just been really restrictive environments in terms of physics is because of lighting. Oh. So like they don't they don't want you fucking up the lighting because all the lighting's pre baked. So if you knock a table over, all of a sudden there's a obvious. shadow on the ground. It's like one yeah. of those you know nuclear sh- blast shadows where some all that's left over is the shadow. It's like this is not right. So <laughs> the reason that control can do it is because it's got this extremely demanding lighting, which made it the game really heavy on consoles and also really heavy on PC in terms of like just performance. Yeah. Uh, but it's in and and then I'm playing it with like with RTX turned on, so it's just like the way that it looks when you come around a corner and like remedy's gone crazy, making every surface in that game reflective. So you come around a corner and you just see the glints of light move just perfectly. And you kind of see your reflection in like a Chrome mirror or something. And you're just like, Oh my God, it, it, it gives you this real sense of like being there. Uh, it, it's interesting to see how, cause this, this is what the next generation is going to be all about is RTX and ray tracing and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and all the consoles are going to do it. And the, the new console versions I believe will have, the ray tracing, the, P- the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S versions of Control, which are going to be released next year. But it, it really, several times I would just stop and just kind of look at the environment and just notice the way like subtly moving from right to left would change the light on things. And it was, it was really impressing me. And I'm not somebody who's usually a huge graphics horror. Like I like big graphics, but I also play a lot of old games and don't care that much. But it was, it was, it was impressing me a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, so Control is really good, and I recommend people try it out. Uh, Oren did a video on it, which which I think is pretty good. Uh, Thanks, yeah. bud. 
Uh, all, all right. So <laughs> n- moving on next, I've also played, and, and I'm going to just really quickly go through this. Dark Souls remastered on the PS4. I have played Why? about three quarters of the way through that game because I love that game. It's my favorite game of all time, and I've played it over and over. And so I've literally played it almost to the end. And uh, I know that this is going to make a uh, friend of the show, Mike, annoyed because he was like telling me I'm scared of Bloodborne. Yeah, why? why I'm just why the hate? scared of the Jaguars, why the dude. Hate? I don't hate Bloodborne. Why but the I'm hate, waiting. Man. I'm waiting for the inevitable. <laughs> 4K better running version that's going to happen. Says the man he's not a graphics horror. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This guy Uh, over here. That game hurts my eyes. That game is just not... So not as a huge Bloodborne fan, I will attest, the technology of that game is a little bit screwed up, unfortunately. It's not where it should be. And it doesn't run great, sadly. mm. But it's such a good good game. I know. It's, no, it's good. It's good. But back to Dark Souls. Dark Souls <laughs> is is good. And I, I'm going to, because obviously this is like a fucking joke to talk about this game. I've been playing it again and I can't stop playing it. I'm probably going to beat it. Uh, so that'll be good. It'll be like the fifth time I've beaten Gwen. Yeah. And I have probably collectively close to 500 hours played of the game, at least maybe 400. I have like 350 on Steam alone and I also have the game on Twice. PS3. And, yeah. And, and yeah. So I have a lot. I played it a lot too. It's, it's my favorite game. I played well, a lot of Dark so. Souls. Um, but that's, that's all I got for that. And, uh, Kevin, you beat the last of us part two. I did. Uh, you want to, we're going to do a full spoiler cast. So, but you want to give us some non spoilery impressions, what you thought? Sure. I'll give you just like the, the, the rundown, the basic, the basic rundown. Um, I think the, uh, stealth gameplay is extremely compelling in that game. I'm going to say it has probably some of the best AI I think I've ever seen in a video game. And, like I playing it, it reminded me of playing like Half Life or Fear for the first time, and like where I'm really thinking, like, wow, these enemies are really smart. These are doing like really, they're constantly flanking me, which the field of view was really screwing me up a lot because like you cannot see them mm-hmm. <laughs> in that game. But um, the uh, the uh, enemies when you go to ambush them on like a wall, I notice that they'll take a, if, they, if they think you're in a spot, they'll take it wide so you can't melee attack them on the corner. Like they'll intentionally take it far. So you, they can shoot you first. And I've never seen a game mm. enemy do that in a game. Like you can't kind of BS the enemies in this game. Um, so gameplay, I think, is awesome. Uh, I think the story is saying some interesting things that we probably will talk about on our other podcast. So I guess if you want to hear my thoughts about that, uh, go there. I think uh, Oren said it right when he said this is the first Night Dog game in his opinion with good gameplay. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I have not been a huge fan of their other games. I think they're bad by any means, but they just didn't pull me in. But this game pulled me in, and I played it all the way through, like from beginning to end. (laughs) Rather quickly, too. Uh, Yeah, I I was thinking, like, why are the... um, So one of the main enemies you fight are clickers, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they use echolocation. Yeah, and then like there's all these other zombies walking around, and they don't care about them. But when you take a step, they are on your ass. I was <laughs> like, "What sure. the hell?" Is this <laughs> or fucking Dina. Dina jumps down like a staircase or something. And I'm like, Dina, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I like move like an inch, and it's all of a sudden ripping my throat out. Yeah, uh, it's a little yeah. silly in that regard, but uh, it's gamey. It's gamey. It's gamey. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think it's a really well designed game. I really. I really, I think it's honestly somewhat limited by PS4 technology. I'm a little sad that it even was. Like, it really should have been a PS5 game. Like, it's mm. very impressive looking, and it could have run so well, and they probably could. Have. I mean, I'm sure they'll probably I mean, do something. It with will the be next a PS5 game, console, I'm sure. But yeah, I almost am like, 
man, this game like technologically is. I feel like it's slightly held back by this console. It just probably could have really. Been such what a what, what game. about that? Did you think? What do you mean by that? Um, not that it looks bad or anything. It looks really good, but just it just. Mm-hmm. I feel like the ambitions in this game are so high that they probably could have really belt it out even like just perfect gra- I mean I don't know I'll get into details I guess if you want on our well, on our other one there will be a PS5 version almost certainly I'm sure there will just be. like there was of The Last of Us which will be probably full 4K and 60 frames per second or whatever and look great uh, but I mean I think it looks like a next gen game on the PS4 more or less with with like like if you if you really pixel peep like it doesn't look great but uh-huh. in motion it looks incredible yeah I had some problems I'll be honest with, with some some of the frame rate sometimes i had to turn motion blur hmm. off because it was hurting me and my girlfriend's eyes when we were playing it really yeah oh, i thought the motion blur was really good the motion blur was really hurting both of our eyes so after turning it off it seemed a lot better um it seemed smooth in hmm. but it, it, it you know it's obviously a 30 fps game it's a little hard to aim at times because of the frame rate um and yeah. it's, it's just kind of a little awkward in that regard but uh yeah i don't know i did play through like i said i, I really hope that they release it on pc with their sony new uh pushing games of this gen to pc could happen which could happen. we should mention the day that we recorded our last podcast and we talked about that about how we were hoping exclusives yeah, would come to true they sony literally said in a uh business briefing or something that they want to start releasing more games on the pc so that's cool which means i don't know maybe in the near future i would love to see Sony games on Xbox, Xbox games on Sony. Like, yeah. I would love to see you just play your fucking games wherever you want to play your game. Yeah. Um, I will say, I but, think the pacing, oh, by the way, this game has a little issue, which we can, I can go into specifics on why. Oh, I think that. yes. But I, uh, I definitely some pacing problems. Uh, it is a very long game. Like, yeah. wow, this is, this is a long game. <laughs> yeah. So, not that it's long. <laughs> I'm, I'm necessarily against it, but I, I, because I was playing through it to, to for a goal to hit for this stuff, I felt like mm-hmm. a little bit fatigued by the end. I kind of just wanted to like get through it. So like in the last couple encounters, I just started like sneaking by the enemies and not even fighting them, which I feel like oh, is really? a little bit of a shame. Oh, those are fun encounters too. It's so fun to uh, just kill people in that game. Right. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, like the the fact that it goes into such that, that there's so, so many pain animations and so much like yeah. screaming starts to become really satisfying. No, and, you know, I think that that really says something about us as humans because like when I'm killing an enemy in the game, it's like satisfying. But when I watch someone else do it in the E3 trailer, I'm like mortified. So clearly yeah. there's something that we don't, doesn't bug us as much and we're the ones afflicting it. Like You also know it's not real. Like, I mean, you know you're playing a video game, right? Yeah, but so I'm not, not, like, affected by the gore and violence when I'm inflicting it on the enemies. Whereas when I see it happen, even if it's the mm-hmm. same animation, like, it's like, ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, all right. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. Was, I was just going to, like, chime in one thing. Because I, I will say, though, that, um, because you mentioned technical issues, there was this moment when I was playing The Last of Us Part Two on because I played it twice, and on my second run, I got to a really emotional scene, and all of a sudden the characters turned into T poses, and I was <laughs> oh 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 yeah yeah I, I'm I'm playing the game and I was like oh gosh this is one of the most emotional scenes in the game, but they're in T poses and now that's just ingrained in my memory. Luckily, it didn't happen <laughs> on my first playthrough, but I did it on my second playthrough. And to make it even screenshot? worse, to make it even worse, my roommate was watching me play the game, and he was like, I, I was like, oh man, Last of Us Part 2, this is such an emotional scene, you gotta see this. And 
the T pose is happening. He's just laughing the whole time, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is not the game, man. This is did the they one still, time. Did, did they still move their mouths and talk, or were they just completely? No, stoic? they were like totally stoic and in T oh, yeah. poses. <laughs> And it was just this. Awesome. We recorded that. Dude, that's the kind of thing you should put on the internet. Yeah, that's I know, right? So funny. We need screenshots of this. That would have been amazing. Uh, uh, that's funny. That so I, funny. I had a similar moment where I was looting and my arm got stuck facing the direction that I was looting. So whatever I tr- where whatever direction I turned her, her arm was facing the same direction. So it would like contort in really weird ways. And I fought through a whole sequence like that because I didn't want to restart it. <laughs> so I had a bug too. When I was playing, there's a part where you're escorting a character. And I mm-hmm. basically ran by the enemies and left the character behind. And normally the character, I think, will just teleport to the door you go through and come with you. But they mm-hmm. didn't. So my character mm-hmm. was like having one-sided conversations with no one. Mm-hmm. They would just talk and there'd be a silence and they would respond. And there was just no character. That's funny. There. And I was like, what, <laughs> is, what is the deal with this? So I just hit start and restart a checkpoint and that, uh, they, they spawned in. So no issue. Okay. There. Uh, to close up The Last of Us 2, I will say I played it on base PS4 and I didn't have any real issues with the frame rate. It was it was 30, but it felt, to me, at least on my setup, it felt really smooth and good. So I don't know. I got used to it, but when yeah. I went back to my PC, it was like, oh my God. No, no, yeah, yeah, of course. Oh but, my but eyes, it, they're so relaxed. It was a tolerable, <laughs> it was a tolerable 30, I would say, because it, it was evenly paced and it looked good. And I thought the motion blur really helped, but so I don't know. In, in I'd any say case, my, uh, my final thought is to definitely play the game. If you have a PS4, don't skip it. Like yeah. play it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's worth a, a definitely and again to play. Some from someone who, like I said, didn't really like the first game. So yeah, like don't even need to play the first game. <clears throat> yeah, maybe, that, maybe that, I'm happy to hear yeah. that because I, I also like really connected to it, and I'm not a huge fan of the first game as well. So I'm glad that you connected to it, Kevin. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in other news, my girlfriend has beat her first video game. Which is, which is kind of you know whoa. that's that's pretty cool. That's she, nice. she beat the Untitled Goose Game, <laughs> which which I don't know if you guys have played this or not, but it's it's fucking Hitman <laughs> as a goose. It's it's totally Hitman. Um, it's really awesome, and she loved it, and I, I liked watching her play it. And I'm gonna play it myself. Uh, I just wanted to announce that that's kind of fun. Very nice. Hey man, Agent Forty Seven as a goose that doesn't not fucking around, you know. H- have you played the Untitled Goose Game? Yeah, I have. I played it at a friend's house for one night, and we had a blast. It was fun, but I would, But yeah, yeah, as we were playing the game, I was like, "This is Hitman." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does it have that amount it, of agency as Hitman? Like you can do a billion different ways to do one thing. No. Yes, I don't think the same level. I mean, kind of. Like I think there are, in some cases, right ways to do things, but you. I think there are multiple routes to achieve a goal. Like you'll have a goal where it's like. You need to get the farmer to unlock the gate. So there's like pretty much one way to do that. But then you have a thing where you need to like, um, you need to get a stereo onto a blanket basically. And like, there might be a couple of different ways to do that. Okay. That's cool. It's definitely, it's definitely some free form. It, so it sounds fun. It, it, it's, I mean, it's like a four hour long game. So it's, right. it's not a game that you're going to play for very long, but it's, uh, it's cool. It's fun. It's Hitman in uh, a small English town and you play a goose, which can't go wrong there. Great premise. Uh, Yeah, so Kevin and I have been playing Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, which uh, sounds not, would not have sounded like a game that I would find myself enjoying, but it's been pretty incredible because of its, it's just 
a it's just a graphical marvel but like the, what that means the fact that it's a graphical marvel means that you can kind of drop yourself anywhere in the world that you've been like here, here's an example i i put myself at my grandparents cabin which is on a pond in maine and was able to find my way to their house which is about 30 miles away just by memory just by using landmarks in the game wow like i like it, it didn't i didn't use gps navigation to get there i just followed the roads and just and just use my memory to get back there. Like I couldn't give you written directions on how to get from their cabin to their house, but I was able to do it in the game because it creates such a plausible version of the world. Wow. Like it's, it's just, it's just so like, you're like, Oh, this just feels like being in the place that, that, that you're at. It, yeah. it just seems like the kind of game that just, just conceptually is hard for me to wrap my head around and I haven't played it yet. But just hearing stories like that blow my mind completely. It's pretty amazing. I flow from my house to where I work, which is far away. And I knew the entire road where some of the city looks a little bit like Rush 64. But it's still, it's still enough where you can figure it out from above. Like it. <laughs> so, yeah, from the sky, the game looks like photorealistic in a, like, almost creepy way that it gives you just such an uncanny feeling of being in the place. Like when I'm flying over my mom's house, I'm like, Oh my God, this is just, this is the place. But then if you like land your jet in her driveway, Kevin's car is in the game, by the way. Yeah, it is. Uh, but um, <laughs> it, it doesn't, it does not, it looks like a, you know, AI fucking horror image. You know, those, those computer generated images of like, like AI made this and like, you can't tell what the, the photo is kind of looks like that from the ground it looks bad but from the sky it looks bonkers realistic because it's all done with um ai machine learning is like you taking satellite photos and then in elevation and then putting it together to build to populate the world but like you can go you can find your friend's house you can find you know the little park that you used to play in as a kid you can fly over manhattan you can fly over the pyramids it's kind of the ultimate open world exploration game because you have a one-to-one representation of the entire world that is like photorealistic at least from you know 100 feet or higher it's funny because the game so has offers so much that when i first played it i'm like i, I played it and i'm like i don't know what to do like i don't know what to go look yeah. at where to fly there's like too many options so i just like stopped playing it but then we, we flew to the mountain in alaska and i'm like oh we gotta fly over this right. mountain i really want to fly over this mountain let's fly over the mountain let's do it it'll be awesome yeah. and then like we couldn't do it because the plane was too weak and it got all icy so we had to like get a better plane and it was a challenge and i was like wow we could do this anywhere in the world any mm-hmm. any point in the world you want to see you can go fly over and look at it and that's definitely very something i've never seen that's another that's new thing i can't ever seen like oh it's a true truly open world game like literal in the yeah. literal sense in this case so if you guys, it doesn't, fi- oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it doesn't give you like things to do. Like there's no story mode. It's like you kind of, th- there are ch- weekly challenges where it's like, do this crazy thing. But like, you pretty much have to make your own fun in this game. Yeah. Have you guys visited the monolith? There's like a giant monolith in Indiana. Have you heard about this? No. Oh. I heard about it. <laughs> so, I so it. I can't remember where specifically in the game, but there's a small town that you can visit. And apparently what happened is that one of the devs or something inputted the wrong floor number for one of the uh, suburban houses. So it's this <laughs> giant black monolith just 
shooting out of the earth like something out of 2001 a space odyssey and awesome. it, it's really funny <laughs> that's awesome yeah i highly um, recommend looking that it. up <laughs> there's definitely so okay here's a story like we we were like let's go check out like you know denali like mount mckinley formerly known as mount mckinley in in alaska to see a really high mountain and so him and I, Kevin and I are flying around above this glacier and it looks just incredible. And the clouds are just sweeping over the mountains and we're trying really hard to get over the mountain. But the, the planes that we chose were not equipped for the task of going over 20,000 feet. Um, finally, we get we kind of go around the mountain and we're like flying over Alaska and it just looks incredible. And the sun yeah. is setting and the clouds are super beautiful. And I'm like, shit, OK, let's go to Karakoram, which is in Pakistan. That's where like. Nasher Brahm and K2 and all, like five of the highest peaks in the world are all in one, you know, small area. So we go there and we're and I'm like, uh, K2 looks a little, uh, like a little bit like, uh, like an N64 mountain. Yeah. It looked like a giant snow mound in 1080. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like because this stuff's based off of, again, machine learning AI populating from satellite images not everything is perfect and not everything is bespoke right so my almost nothing is bespoke so like this area while alaska just looked incredible and it was like a you know like flying through the heavens Mm -hmm. going to k2 was a little cheesy but at the same time (laughs) it's a fucking second tallest mountain in the world so we're trying to fly over it and kevin and i are like making passes and passes and we keep getting closer and closer we can't quite get the elevation and like kevin's like i think i'm gonna do it I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. No, I, I got to pull out at the last minute. I got to pull out at the last minute. So like swerving out of the way. And so finally I'm like, shit, I'm going to do it. And I've got the elevation and I'm just climbing and I'm climbing and I'm climbing and I see it. I see the top of the mountain and my plane is ready to just sail right over it straight into China. I think is what it is on the other side of the mountain or something like that. In any case, so I'm like going at the mountain and, and I get there and as I get closer, I'm just not quite getting the elevation that I need. So instead of going over the top of the mountain, I like smack into the top of the mountain and start rolling down the hill because the collision in this game is really funky and I would say unsatisfying. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like a plane crash. It feels like a toy model hits like the top of a mountain. So I start rolling down the mountain and then like I eventually start like almost skiing because again, this is K2. It's such a tall mountain that I'm able to roll down it for a while and then like start sledding. And then I, I was able to relift off from that point and take off again. Oh <laughs> and then Kevin gosh. got over the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And then I actually flew over it. I flew over it and then I landed on the other side and slid down it like a toboggan on the plane. It's yeah. because uh, you can do that because plane planes can be driven fun. on the ground. I also drove yes. around in LA on the freeways with my plane. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so, so I have a question about this game. Is this game available on Xbox yet or is it only PC right now? PC, it's only right PC now. right now. It will be on the next gen Xbox. Oh, okay. I don't think it'll run. Okay. I don't think it'll run on. It, honestly, it is a. It is the crisis of right now. Its graphics are so intense, and it runs on my very new system. It, it's heavy. It's it's hard to run. I can't wow. even. I have to put it in high settings, not ultra. So it it does run, and I can play the game. But like, it's. I don't think it's going to be able to do it on the Xbox uh, One or or even the One X. So one of the most amazing things about this game, in my opinion, is I'll just go online or I'll go on Twitter and I'll just see these stories of just regular, you know, working class people, whatever, who go to their day jobs and then they come home and they just become flight controllers or they become mm-hmm. pilots. Oh. And it's almost like a second job right. and they almost like fetishize it. They'll, they'll be playing the game, and they'll, but they'll play it so strictly 
as professionally as possible as if they mm-hmm. were in those role-playing. shoes, which I think is fan- amazing. Yeah, true, like true role yeah. playing, not the Elder Scrolls totally. role playing. Like this is true, like trying to be a flight controller, trying to be a pilot. I think that's just fascinating. That is. It, it also, I know, yeah. I was just going to say, I don't it, see myself doing that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're playing it from a much more casual perspective, but I can right. respect that the simulations at that level that people can do that. The, uh, yeah, the, it has the, it has text to speech voice controlling. And if you've ever played Arma, oh Arma, it'll like the enemy, like your NPC friendly <laughs> characters will see like spot an enemy and they'll like say what their distance is and like what they are. And it's this very jarring, like disjointed human speech. It's like enemy man at 140 meters. And it's like enemy <laughs> man shooting at 200 meters. And the, the text to speech in the plane is like the same thing. It's like this, like, it's, it's like a turn left, better fly than up. That. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a little better than that. It's, well, it's like, like L- if LA you County, doing, please leave my airspace. Yeah. If you start doing the wrong thing, it'll start like berating you. And it's like this robot <laughs> attacking you. And it's, yeah. It's like I turned it off immediately. So I'm just gonna say they if don't. you wanna play it like we're playing or we're not we're just exploring, we're not doing anything serious, turn off yeah. text to speech and the audio options because it's really annoying if you don't if you don't have a destination. Yeah. It's worth noting yeah. that we're playing this game on all easy flight settings. I'm playing it with a controller. Uh so I'm playing it on the like not simulation mode. And it's still it's it's pretty easy to fly. And I also tend to start on um in the air, not on the ground. So and I'm not landing. So like I'm I'm not playing this game as a simulation, but much more as like a exploration game. But you can totally play it with your Hotas and all that shit. Yeah. When we were playing too, I know I I, I put on the pilot wings music from the Super Nintendo game. Just just mm-hmm. to thematically fit it. And I was thinking like man, I like how far we've gone. We've gone from pilot wings to this game where we're playing we're flying over the real world together and it's like simulating like weather and people flying it's just wow yeah yeah me and so yeah me and kevin are able to play the game together we flew from my apartment all the way to santa monica then to long beach and then from long beach we flew all the way to his house which is 400 miles away yeah all the way up to the state of california it took us like two hours <laughs> yeah it took us we, we played the game for like four hours last night amazing yeah. Pretty fun stuff. Uh, I definitely will have we'll have more stories about that. Um, but I guess now, unless anybody has any last flight simulator simulator notes, we should get into the news of which it is. It was a news heavy couple of weeks. Definitely. Time for the news. Time for some right, console speculation or whatever. Yeah. So because we don't have an article this week, we actually do have an article, but it's going to be for our Last of Us Two spoiler. <laughs> Cast, which will come out in a week, so look out for that. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about consoles. We're gonna talk about video cards and uh, have a little conversation about that this week. So, ma- major announcements. One, we know that the PlayStation Five will have a full announcement thing on Wednesday. So we're recording this on Sunday. So you'll probably be listening to this on Monday. In the next few days, there will be hopefully a launch date and a price and where you can pre-order it. Blah 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 for the PlayStation Five. Xbox came out with their Series X and Series S announcements. Series S is a 299 console. And NVIDIA came out with their 3000 series cards announcement. So there's just been like a ton of next-gen tech news. So if you find that interesting, stick around for this conversation. Uh, what do you guys think about all of this? Let's let's start with NVIDIA, right? Oren, what, what does the 3000 series mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I change the subject and talk about PlayStation? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> no, nah, it sounds cool. I, I mean, I've been like, I've been listening to podcasts about it, and it's still a little bit out of my purview, but I am interested in it, especially considering how I've expressed interest in building a computer within the next year. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on it for sure. Um, but that's as far as mm-hmm. I can say. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking a little bit more about Sony and really just sony honestly but i i am hmm. interested in microsoft as well yeah all right kevin wh- what do you think about these 3000 series cards uh i've been texting everyone about how i want the next gen gpus to come out for like for six, six years six now, yeah. months at least <laughs> yeah so obviously yeah. for me this is a big deal i am going to get up early the day that they release to get to buy one like that's the we both are going, yeah so cross your I'm, fingers for us because we really want to get here's the deal there's definitely going to be limited supply of these cards and yeah. we both want to get a 3080 yep this week yep so so we'll see what happens if it, i don't know i i'm kind of like leaning to think that we won't get one but i hope so i have a that botters are going to beat us but maybe nvidia will do a mm-hmm. limit one per customer kind of deal but people oh, they still, definitely will People could still use VPNs still and virtual up. networks. There's, and there's, could, there's things they could do to, to, smart people can figure that out. But I think uh, we might be able to, I don't know, we might be able to get it figured out. And I hope we I hope we do because the technology from what they're advertising seems like a significant boost. I'm still on a 10 series GPU, so it's it's two generations up for me. So it's going to be a huge upgrade for me. I haven't got to explore all the fancy ray tracing or machine learning, all that fun stuff that Aaron gets to do. I haven't got to try that yet. So I, it's very exciting for me. Yeah, I, I mean, what makes this important in, in a lot of ways? We're moving into the next gen, right? So everything is gonna is gonna get a kick in the pants graphically, technologically. The next gen consoles, which we're about to talk to about, are 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 much more powerful than the previous generation consoles, and it's 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 time for it was time for Nvidia to step up step up and give us a card that's gonna last us a couple of years and, and allow us to play these these games that are coming out in the next six months or two years. At you know at the cool settings and get all the fancy features, um, but also like from a production like uh, productivity standpoint, this card is going to be the thirty eighty and, and even the thirty ninety are going to be incredible for video editors, for content producers. I have friends who work in the three D modeling space; they're extremely excited about it. It's just such a big leap forward. At least if we're if we're believing the hype. So none of the reviews are out, so we don't really know. But but like independent verifications seem to. Con- like show that this is this is possibly like the biggest generational leap in video cards either we've seen in a while or that we've ever seen which is is kind of awesome nice so. yeah i'm, I'm definitely again i'm still kind of a layman when it comes to this but just hearing you guys talk about it and i was again listening to other podcasts talk about it and it's very emphatic where it's like if you want to upgrade this is this is this is it like go for this so it, right. uh, it's definitely making me interested somebody who's not who's never really been super interested because I'm a freaking console junkie but uh, I am interested for sure it, it's gonna be cool and it's it's gonna give I don't know it like finally uh, Red Dead Redemption we'll get to see like like maybe people don't know but the version of Red Dead Redemption that was released on PC is like like the lowest settings are higher than the highest settings on the console. So like they kind of gave us like a really hard to run version. They gave yeah. us the next gen version of the game, yeah, which is awesome because it looks insane. But it's like it's it's a bitch to get that game really going well. So it'll be cool to see what that game looks like totally dialed up. Um, mm-hmm. Flight Sim, 
Crisis Remastered comes out next week. <laughs> yeah. My, my PS4 I'm won't about. be able to run that. That's how advanced Crisis was. <laughs> no, Crisis is coming out on PS4 with ray tracing on it's PS4. Ray tracing. Hey, uh, and nice. That, which is amazing. Uh, so that's cool. But I, I'm I don't know. Like it's it's these cards are interesting for a lot of reasons. Particularly if if you're interested in playing in the PC space, these are definitely the way to go. And and I think about it like I was thinking about the value comparison between like buying a console or buying a PC and like the, the conventional wisdom is that buying a PC is more expensive and it certainly is upfront. But if you look at the cost that you would pay, if you bought a TV, you bought, I don't know, a PS4 in 2014 and, uh, and you paid for PlayStation plus, is that what it's called? Yeah. For all the yeah. years, the price that you would pay for all that would be very comparable to if you had built the PC that I built in 2014 and used up until a few months ago, which honestly I could continue to use now. I just, I need, I, I'm just a maniac. Um, I, I spent about 1800 bucks and I think you would spend about 1500 bucks. So it's a little more expensive, but like very much in the same range. It's just a bigger upfront cost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get but, better but, performance and controller configuration and backwards compatibility. Yeah, I think you get a better, things. you get a better user experience ultimately, like a much better user experience. But, but can you play Bloodborne? Can you play Bloodborne? That's the real question. Can you play Bloodborne? <laughs> so Not I have thoughts about this because right now on Game Pass, Microsoft is highlighting some really killer PC exclusives, right? Microsoft Flight Simulator, which you can't play that on, on you're never going to play that on PlayStation. That is, I mean, that, that is a one of a kind experience that kind of shows you what like games can do in a way that like the, a standard AAA game doesn't. Like it's, it's, it's giving you something different, right? It's not violent. Um, you can also play Crusader Kings, Crusader Kings three, which is which is getting rave reviews, which I'm going to dig into next week, and hopefully have more info on the next podcast. is is supposed to be like the best version of that game. You can only play that on uh, on PC. So there there are there's perks and benefits, and it really depends on what you're into. I think if you're if you're a super serious gamer and you really take the the hobby seriously, and you have some disposable income, get it all. <laughs> Right. Don't miss out. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have all the consoles. Buy everything. Buy everything if you have the means. Well, I, I mean, I think if, if you if, if you have somewhat limited means, but you're a serious hobbyist about video gamers and you don't just play PlayStation exclusives or Call of Duty or Nintendo games, I think the PC is probably the best the best place to go for most people if they have disposable income and they're they're and they play a lot of games because there's sure. just there's a bigger selection and it's it's going to be the best bang for your buck but and you don't mind tinkering in technical details because that's the thing true, the pc true. you have to deal with the consoles do not is the technical details you have to know how to dial things in you have to know how to dial the graphics in kind of how to dial you know there's, there's more right. work involved micromanagement of the system is definitely a bigger part of the experience but that's also true. If you don't mind that you get the better in my opinion the, the, the higher end experience as well so yeah sure. i mean you, you get uh, you get really it's 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 awesome but like we're, we're also these next gen consoles are going to kind of really yeah, level that playing field. So let's talk about the Xbox One X, uh, no Series X, Series S. Um, these they show the Series S is two ninety nine. That is a next gen console for two ninety nine. Price of the Switch, or yeah, which no, the the Switch is four hundred bucks on Amazon <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes, all that shit. All you want to sell your old consoles, sell them now because all uh, that shit should. is uh, inflated as can be during COVID because everybody wants a console. But two ninety nine for a next gen console. Um, I mean, like, I'm thinking of getting how one. many of us an S? Yeah. 
So you can also do the installment plan, which is which is like at first I was kind of like, I'm not sure what I think about that. But like the more I think about it, I'm like, that's actually kind of an insane deal. You pay 25 bucks a month. You get an Xbox One S. You get Game Pass, which X means you automatically have. Sorry. Hmm? For the Xbox Did I say One S. I'm just not sure. Is it Xbox One S or Xbox One X? Is the high-end one? Of, uh, series, sorry, Series S. Series S. Okay, I'm saying okay. 25 bucks a month. You get a Series S. You get Game Pass. And it's actually, and you pay for it, I think, two years. And then you own the thing. Um, and I believe that that's actually slightly cheaper than two ninety nine. It works. Somebody do the math. Maybe it's not. Um, I'm doing the math in my head now. It's definitely not cheaper. Uh, but whatever the deal is, um, maybe it's for a year. I, I like. I I saw on Twitter it's a good that it's cheaper. Deal. I don't know. The, uh, it's a good I don't. Deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. Um, but if you pay thirty five bucks a month, like like this, think of it like a phone installment plan, which is what Microsoft wants you to think of it as. You get the Series X, the high end model, the four K model. Um, and you get Game Pass, so you get an automatic library of games. Um, like I have some some issues with Game Pass in that it's basically a rental service. You don't own the games, and you never know when something's going to go away. Right. But they also have some really killer games. I mean, Microsoft games won't go away, so you'll always be able to play Halo and Gears of War, and I don't know what other Microsoft games there are. Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, but uh, you, like you, you don't like it's it's such a good deal. Like it, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I never was tempted to buy an Xbox. I think I've said that on this, this podcast recently. Like I was like, I don't know, but now I'm like 35 bucks a month and I can, some of these games I can cross save between my PC and my, yeah. my Xbox. You can cross play some of them with, you can have play. Yeah. Halo on the couch in 4k and 120 FPS or whatever. Like that's pretty alluring. Like that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, it was kind of interesting because I wasn't super interested in Xbox at all. I was kind of after they delayed Halo, I kind of wrote them off. But after this announcement of the Xbox Series X, but also the S, um, honestly, the Xbox Series X I wasn't as interested in. But when I heard Xbox Series S and it was two ninety nine, or you do again like twenty five dollars a month for what two years or something. Um, I don't know the exact details, but it, it just sounded like a great deal, and um, I'm actually interested in it. I'm interested in Xbox for the first time since pre-2014, when they did that whole Kinect bundle. Um, mm. So, so yeah, I mean, Phil Spencer, he's he's got my attention. What can I say? Um, I agree. Uh yeah, I might get it. it. I'm still more 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 focused on Sony, but we'll see. Maybe Sony will drop a five ninety nine, and I'll just be less interested and be like, oh, you know what? It's COVID. I'm just gonna buy a two ninety nine console instead, and do the Game Pass thing and just save a bunch of money. Um, mm. That's yeah. what I was thinking at that. That I was like, Microsoft can because of the capital they have in the bank as one of the largest companies in the world, they can afford to sell these consoles at a massive hardware loss. Sony right. obviously is a big right. company, but not nearly the scope of Microsoft. And I don't no. know if they can they can do that. Like if they can easily because that's because Sony Interactive Entertainment is now their biggest. So the, right. That's where our money is coming from. So and like I don't know if they Microsoft's can afford. Money comes from. Uh huh. Xbox is not where Microsoft. Yeah, money no, comes it's not. From. It's not. Where not Microsoft. even like a fraction of it. Sequel licensing, but um, yeah, the uh, uh, Sony thing. It's like I, 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 they're probably in a rock and a hard place right now for for the pricing because like they obviously want to be competitive and they want to stay number one. I'm, I'm sure. I just wonder if they're if they can if they can afford to with the so like the thought is that maybe they'll sell the discless model of the PS5 for four hundred, 
and then the base model for 500. That's kind of what I would project to. That's 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 kind of what I that would be my guess. I don't think they could afford to sell the PS5 at $300. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Nah. I, 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 no I honestly think it could be higher. It could be. I mean, I know five ninety nine yeah. is such an, a meme at this point, but I, I'm kind yeah. of thinking that ballpark, honestly. Uh, considering and the, the thing yeah. is the is the the S the Xbox Series S. You can't build a gaming PC of that performance with that exact hardware right now. Like it's it's actually cheaper than you could build a PC for. Oh yeah, no, it has There's, the same processor. Like the processor that's in that thing is like three hundred bucks. Yeah, which is the, fucking bonkers. Yeah, and the storage technology and all that—it's just there's nothing out that this that's comparable to it right now. So like Microsoft's really throwing their weight in on this one, right? It's it, awesome. Well, let's talk about the Series S for, for a minute because the Series S is interesting because it is a cheaper console and it's targeting a lower like HD resolutions basically. So if you don't have a 4K TV but you want to get a, a next gen console and you're not planning on buying a 4K TV or you don't care about 4K, get the S, right? Or at least that's that's the pitch. Um, the one thing that really rubs me the wrong way about the S is the tiny amount of storage. It only gets 512 yeah. gigabytes of storage, which is like two games. Like Call of Duty is like 250 <laughs> gigs. Yeah, it, yeah, it's odd because it's it's mainly an online console. It, it is an online console, it's right? Only, it's only, only an online, online no disc, console. Yeah. Um, no disk drive. So it does. it is kind of a weird red flag. Um I'm okay with they it because I delete stuff on my PlayStation a lot, but like for someone who wants all these games available at the same time, that might be annoying as, as fuck. Right. Yeah. I um, think uh, what people are saying was the reason they could get it so cheap is they, that was because the storage. If they had put a terabyte right, in, there's right. no way they could sell it at that price point. Right. Right. But I think and they what want they probably, that fast. They'll probably sell external drives for it, I'm sure. No, they will. They will. In, but they'll so. be, they're, they're going to be generation four NVMEs, so they're going to be like, I don't know yeah. how they sell them for less than two hundred dollars, um, but let's the, let's talk about the hardware. In terms of the hardware, like there's there there was some concern, and, and there still is reason I suppose to be concerned I that concern maybe that. Xbox is or Microsoft is handicapping the generation by putting out a lower end SKU. Mm-hmm. But what I've heard, like third hand from through via Patrick Klepek and other people, is saying that according to developers, this thing is a beast. It's it's a ten eighty beast because it has the same processor. Right. Which the uh, which the the core model has, which was the thing that's held back consoles like for generations, like literally, like they've always had a much weaker processor than what you right. would get in a desktop PC. Now they have like a mainstream desktop PC part, and and kind of what I was saying before, like some of the things that you get, the extra benefits, the premium things you get for having a PC are going to disappear because this generation is targeting higher refresh rates, mm-hmm. uh, better resolutions, variable refresh rate technology, like. Yep. It's 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 very it's intriguing. It's it, it's a good place to go if you're looking for, you know, a cheap gaming solution. Yeah, and also just to bring it in a larger context too, uh, we're we're just living in a in an economic crisis, impending economic crisis. Not to do doom and gloom, but this is mm-hmm. this is the perfect console for this moment. It, it's consumer friendly. Uh, added on top of that with the Game Pass, it's just especially if you're a family man and you're you know taking care of your kids it's just such a great investment for like this specific time period so right uh, so i don't know uh, um microsoft they might be this might be their comeback moment um so all signs are pointing it's, to it I, I mean it's it's interesting i don't know i, I it has me considering getting a a microsoft console which is not what i was thinking about doing at all a couple of weeks ago so i'm like hmm this could be why not i mean 
Right. Yeah. For I me, uh, the reason I, I'm the most intrigued personally is because of the backwards compatibility and the added features with the backwards compatibility. So you get PC like features, nice, yeah. high performance, high resolution. Yeah. And in some cases, I think, I'm not sure if the, the Series S will do it, it probably will, is that HDR function on old games. Yeah. So, like, if I can play really like original Xbox games like Mech Assault and, and uh, those kind of stuff, I would love to play those games in, with HDR. Right. Like 4K or 1440p. Yeah. Oh just, I think that's a really, really attractive feature. Um, so no, it is. And the thing is, is, is that generation, the, like the sixth generation is like the, the least amount of games on PC from that. Like there's not a lot of games mm. that I can think of that I really love from that gen that I can play on, on like PS2 and Xbox era. So right. that might be the best place to play those kind of games. If that's something that you're interested in, which I am interested in. You, um, you know, so. um, Xbox has a really great low-key great library of old games that a lot of people mm-hmm. have a lot of affection for um i was just listening yeah like brute force or, or fable there are people who love fable mm-hmm. like they go back yeah. and play uh even mm-hmm. though like games like the witcher exist people still love to go back and play those old fable games so there's a yep. real affection for that library that i think that backwards compatibility will be will really tap into and on top of that people still love halo 3 you know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's also non Microsoft games. Like you can go back and play your copy of uh, mass effect or red dead redemption nice. or but dead space. The only stinky thing is, and the thing that really like stops me from just buying it immediately is there's no disc drive. So I already have all right. those games on disc, but I can't put them in and play them. Well, the X, right. the series X has, has the a X disc does, drive. But if I want to get an, well, S, I don't know why you would get an S over an X per like why you would get like you're the person that should be getting an X, right? Yeah, probably. It's I just cheaper. I mean, you, it's like I just yeah, save two hundred dollars. True, but <laughs> uh, you got a four K yeah. TV. You, I might get a Series yeah. S. I'm thinking about it. It's it's very it's a very enticing deal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, not not to do that thing where I'm talking about the games uh, media being marketing industry for <laughs> <laughs> technology companies, but the press release says twenty four dollars a month for twenty four months, and you get Game Pass. So. I think that ends up being slightly less than it would have been if you got Game Pass in the console all up front. Um, uh, thanks yeah. for clarifying that, because yeah, that sounds like a great deal. Yeah, that's a twenty-five bucks a month. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about about is the PlayStation going to come out this year? I'm like November. I, I think it's a paper launch. They have not given us a release date. They've not given us a release price. I don't even think that there are confirmed release. It's uh, true. Launch titles, and you like, like they, only, how is it they've said nothing, it, and that's we're less than two months away from. I think November it's 10. the it's the Sony Microsoft game of chicken. They both want to undercut each other because they realize oh that God, that's yeah. a pivotal thing for the console launch. That was huge. Remember, when Sony launched the PS4 for hundred dollars less than the mm-hmm. Xbox One. Yeah, that that and the, the game sharing and the Connect always online just killed the Xbox. Like it just that was the end of that console and that that whole generation. So I think they're both mm. really hedging that very carefully. But I also have a feeling that I've heard that Sony's had manufacturing issues. This is like yeah. this is all rumor mill stuff. The whole world has had manufacturing yeah. issues. But like, I mean, affected <laughs> Sony much worse than Microsoft because of the companies mm. they use to manufacture. So like, I think that they're probably going to have much more limited availability. Like, you can mm. get a chance to like it's like it's like a like a raffle where you can win to pre-order a PS5 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, like, which <laughs> makes me think nobody's going to have a PS5 in their hands till like Christmas 2021. Like it, it yeah. makes me very skeptical that it will be anything more than a paper launch. And honestly, not just of, of the, I also think that about the 3000 series cards, I'm a little worried that those things yeah, will be not available until after my birthday, uh, which is in February. So, ugh. um, but I, I mean, I will say, 
I actually kind of do want a PS5 because this heavily speculated uh, Demon Souls remaster is the launch title. Yeah, yeah. the Blue Point. I think we're good. finally gonna get a uh, some kind of updated version of Bloodborne, so I can play it. I I, I really I, I will put twenty bucks on the table right now that in the next five years we get Bloodborne remade, remastered, four K edition, whatever the fuck it is, a patch. I don't know something. PC port. So, could happen. Mm, not putting twenty bucks on the table for that, but could. Uh, <laughs> I'm not either. Just a, I've, I've, a better I've given up on the hope of that, but it could happen. I mean, actually, it might happen now with this this Sony yeah, putting games out. I mean. on. Who who knows? Uh, give me that. Give me the Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. I don't think I give a shit about the rest of them, but I, I'll, those two I'd be pretty stoked about. Um, yeah. So I don't know. You guys think that that the PS5 is going to be even remotely? Is it even going to come out this year? We'll find out Wednesday. I, I don't. I think they'll release. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday we'll know. But I think my prediction is limited availability in November. Yeah, that's what I think. I think uh, Wednesday we'll see know. the prices. I think they're they're gonna do what they can to match Microsoft. I don't know how they're going to do it, but yeah, maybe I think they play chicken with Microsoft, and Microsoft just drove straight into them. <laughs> like, yeah, Microsoft Microsoft's like, like yeah, we we, can we take have the, the capital to take this hit. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, no, six hundred dollar PS Five. Um, yeah, I can just imagine the first thing they say oh, yeah. in, in that conference is just five ninety nine. Mm. <laughs> That's just like the first thing they say or something. But we'll we'll see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been surprised by Sony <laughs> like many times, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I'm a Sony fanboy. We'll mm. see. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm also I'm open to buying an Xbox over a PlayStation right away. Um, but we'll see. It it really yeah. depends. I'm. But yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm not sure if it's going to come out this year. I don't think it needs to come out this year. Also, I was actually arguing that with the Xbox. I'm not sure why they have to release those this year, um, especially since there's no Halo. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, right. I mean. Microsoft has the advantage because uh, in in a lot of ways, I I mean, we'll find out Wednesday, but uh, at the end of the day, people play these consoles. The the games that they play on them are mainly third party games anyway. So if people are going to buy these Xboxes and Mm -hmm. just play destiny Two beyond light or play watchdogs, whatever um, that that's going to satisfy a lot of people. And if, if people can buy these consoles at two 99, like forget about it they're not going to be yeah. especially parents parents are, even if a kid even if oh, a, yeah. an 11 year old kid really wants to get a playstation the parents gonna just look at it and be like hey there's this series s over here that's 200 dollars cheaper 300 dollars cheaper play that so microsoft they really have the advantage in a lot of ways it's yeah shocking but true mm-hmm. yeah are you drinking beer no, I, I'm just, uh, it's a seltzer water, but I've heard uh, from polar, multiple okay. people, I, I've, I've heard from multiple people that I drink this stuff as if I'm chugging a beer. So my it body looks, language, like a tecate for a second. Yeah. Yeah. My body language <laughs> kind of like um, says I'm drinking a PBR or something, but I'm really just drinking seltzer water. Right. So PBR yeah. that's Frank Booth's drink of choice. 
Uh, oh yeah, Ooh, Heineken. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Pass blue yeah, ribbon. Yeah, no, Heineken. Pass blue ribbon. <laughs> uh, that that that's uh, one of my favorite movies, by the way. Me too. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I just watched it. It's, I just watched it two weeks movie. ago again. I was like, I had to see this movie nice. again. And Frank Booth makes me laugh every scene he's in. He just cracks me up so much. So mm. he's so fucked up, movie, but, yeah. but he's so yeah. funny yeah. at the same time. Oh yeah, he's God. he's he's just so funny. He's just a funny guy. I just want to hang out. No, with he's very he's terrifying, but he's like. He's very funny in some moments of that movie. Like he no, really, yeah. like his delivery is Dark just humor. so comical. Yes. Like he's just such a crazy goofball. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, what? Want to go for a ride? A ride? Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, man. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think I think we we got through it in an hour and a fucking half. Uh, we got through all the games we've been playing. All the news, and uh, and now we're ready to record a separate podcast about The Last of Us 2. So, okay, that's all we have for you guys this week. Uh, Madden, as always, we love you. Thank you for the music. Um, and we will be back next week with a spoiler cast, a special edition of the Jump Crouch Game Club, talking about The Last of Us 2. So only listen to that if you want to either be spoiled about The Last of Us 2 or you've already played it. We'll be back the week after that with uh, a regular podcast with hopefully we'll, we'll let you know that we got our 3080s. The PS five is actually one ninety nine, crazy. And, uh, we already have them. Yeah. So (laughs) good stuff. Uh, that's all I got for you guys this week. Have a good, wonderful, uh, you know, whatever it is week, September, take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye.